You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. And after kind of a ho-hum week, we have a fantastic slate of games. Your Locked On SEC Football Podcast is brought to you in part by Vivid Seats, an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing all kinds of fans, be it sports, be it music, uh, with experiences that will last a lifetime. And uh, they can help you find seats to any of your favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theaters, and more, uh, all through the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience as well as an in-app loyalty program. Vivid Seats Rewards. There you go. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program and you'll enjoy credits on all of your purchases as part of the Vivid Seats Rewards. And you talk about uh, extra incentive, you can earn 10 to 16% credit on all of your purchases with that Vivid Seats app. All Vivid Seats confirmed Orders are backed by 100% guarantee. So here we go. It's kind of amped up a little bit. We've had some good games, Chris, but this weekend uh, definitely has a, a, a different feel. Some really key matchups throughout the day. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, obviously, it uh, the, the focus is a lot on Georgia-Notre Dame, but, you know, I, I do think if that game goes the way I think it will, and we'll get into it, I know it's it's the Auburn A&M game that's the most intriguing because I think it's obviously every game is important, but the difficulty of schedule that both have, I mean, I think this is kind of a turning point game, and it's certainly uh, an indicator of, you know, how they stand in the top of the West. I mean, at least, uh, and it's early, at least at this point, it's Alabama LSU, and the third team is maybe the winner of this game, at least early on. So I, that game probably intrigues me the most within the league. Um, and then, you know, look, I mean, we all remember it wasn't too long ago. It seemed like uh, we were just talking off air about how time flies and things. But, I, you know, when we first split the conference into East and West, it was Tennessee-Florida. That was the game. It was early in the year. The winner usually won the East and was in the, the BCS, you know, uh, era uh, best position. Um, and, you know, now that game has, has not had the same type of meaning. And I don't really pretend that Tennessee has really any chance to win it. But I am curious to see how they play in this game. And if Florida's offense doesn't, you know, maybe kick it into a different gear, well, you don't blow people out if you don't score but 17, 21 points. So um, that has some intrigue uh, as well. Certainly does. Well, let's begin with the game that I think most people, and I agree with you, I, I think um, the, that the Auburn-Texas A&M game is, is the most intriguing. But everybody's going to be keeping an eye on Notre Dame at Georgia. They've got about 90,000 seats and they're all going to be full and i've heard from people at georgia they're expecting another ninety thousand plus to be outside the stadium enjoying a good time so uh your thoughts on this game it's the night cap and eight o'clock start notre dame at georgia 
Um, I tend to think that, that Georgia is significantly better than Notre Dame, but uh, how about you? Well, I do. I think the matchups really favor Georgia. Now, the only thing you you got to wonder is you got to do it. And I go back, and you don't want to continue to relive a moment for a team, but you, when you have it, it just comes up. And when it's fresh, I keep thinking about, and it was a road game, but they just laid an egg against LSU last year, played poorly, turned the football over, and I certainly recovered from all of that, but that game cost them. That was the game that cost them a shot at getting into the playoffs last year. And it's, you know, it's Georgia Notre Dame. That was kind of a, you know, I, Georgia gets in last year, if not uh, for that game. So you wonder other than, than Georgia playing poorly, um, stubbing their toe, making a lot of mistakes. I just don't really see the ability for Notre Dame to win again, but there's always a possibility of a team losing it. And what I look at is, for Notre Dame's standpoint, they've got to get a great game from Ian Book. They're going to have to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. Receivers are going to have to win and win consistently. And if they do that, maybe they can have enough semblance of a running game to have balance. I think they'd like to get the tempo going. I think they'd like to win the field position battle particularly early and get some early points. If they can get Georgia in a position where they've got to get out of their rhythm, then that's if you look at Georgia, they are they are more Alabama than Alabama in, in that they play the old Alabama style. Run, run downhill, play action passing game, really good defense. If you get them behind and it's tough to do, then maybe they become pass first. I don't think Georgia is elite if they've got to be pass first. They're a very good passing team but they're based off play action, meaning that they're able to get guys open and make big plays in the passing game because people have to overplay the run. If you are behind in a game and people are not going to respect the fact that you're even going to try to run, then it's a diff. It's just, it's a different game. It's the difference between trying to make layups or, you know, 15 foot jumpers. You might be able to make the jumpers all day, but it's a, it's a more difficult dynamic to go through. So, I just think Georgia's a lot better. They're a lot better at the line of scrimmage. They're really deep at running back. Uh, by the way, you know, it's just a little note, you know, because everybody said, oh, my God, what about the receivers? I know Georgia hadn't played anybody yet, and that, that'll have a little bit of an effect, too, maybe in the rhythm of seeing a different quality of opponent. But these receivers are playing pretty well, some of those young guys. So the soft schedule has allowed them to figure some of that out. I just think it's a lot um, – it's it's a big decided difference, and you know it doesn't matter how many points you win by, uh, other than the people that put something on the game. I know that's important to them. I think this is a. I agree with you. I think it's fourteen seventeen. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a twenty point margin. I, I think George is that much better, and I think it would be a big statement game. No question about it. It's about a fourteen and a half point favorite for entertainment purposes only. Let's. <laughs> Turn to Auburn at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, despite the fact that Auburn's number eight in the nation and Texas A&M a number 17, but they are at home. How do you see this game shaking out? Well, you know, it's it's trying to figure out a couple of things. Auburn's offense, and to some degree A&M's offense, which I have a better handle on, but Auburn's offense really struggled against Oregon, against Tulane. Um but they've they've gotten it gone now against Kent State, it's a it's a different deal. But how you know 
I'm a little bit concerned from Auburn's standpoint about their ability to run the football, come off the ball with their offensive line. The offensive line has been the biggest disappointment for me when I'm putting on Auburn tape. They've just not played as well as I thought they would. That's going to have to change. This AM defensive line is really good. I can't think of a position unit um, in the conference that has gone from a weakness to a big-time strength in that short of a period. It's why a lot of us in football really like, you know, kind of the future of the AM program. I mean, they just look different. And Mike Elko's done a tremendous job um, with this defense. I don't know that Auburn's going to have a lot of success running it. And if they don't, look, I mean, Bo Nix can play and make plays, but this is an offense that's built around the run game. And if they're not running it, they're going to have difficulty. On the other side, AM's offense struggled against Clemson. Um, you know, I, 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 there's some drop balls, missed opportunities. It's going up against a really good Auburn front. So, um, I think it's a story about what offense can get the, you know, get going here. Um, you know, Auburn's really struggled punting the football. Really important in a game that's going to be defensive oriented. Folks, I always say in in, in a, the spread game, I don't talk about it as much. But when people are going up and down the field, it's not as much of a factor. But in defensive oriented games. Not enough people pay attention to hidden yardage. Always chart if you got a pad and pencil watching the game. Chart, you know, your ability, your return yards, and your 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 uh, coverage yards, and how much return yards gets on you. The hidden yardage factor. I mean, Auburn is the worst in the SEC and like the 127th in the nation in punting. And so, an A and M got a really good punter and they're flipping the field. So when you're talking about differences of hidden yardage and 20 and 30 and chunks, I mean, that's no different than a 30 yard pass play or, or something like that. So I think that maybe is a little bit of an edge, probably give a little bit of an edge to AM, but I think this is a toss up game and special teams may be a little bit better for AM. We'll see. Uh, it's at home in College Station. I think it ought to be a good one. I'm not surprised either way. Wow. Interesting. Okay, Tennessee at Florida used to be that huge monster rivalry. Not anymore, but uh, Tennessee is chirping confidence. Not trash talk, but definitely confidence. More after this, you're locked on SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I am Dave Hooker. And we get back to a weekend. It's pretty exciting. A lot of SEC matchups after we've kind of had some appetizers slash hors d'oeuvres in the first uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> but uh, Tennessee at Florida. Well, I remember this used to be such a monster rivalry. I can remember the CBS trucks when I was a student at Tennessee pulling up onto campus on Monday and uh, walking to class when I went. And I remember <laughs> you, you absolutely knew what a monster matchup it was. It's not that anymore. Florida's a 14-point favorite. They've won the vast majority of the games over the past decade. I'm wanting to say 12 of 13 off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, Tennessee has a little bit of momentum. 
Florida did have to expend a lot of emotional energy in the comeback from Kentucky. So does that help from a psychological perspective at all? And how do you see this game shaking out? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, 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 it helps. Uh, I think that obviously you're playing a little bit better. And then I, I think there's some unknowns with Florida. Um, how good are they? I, I think that they're a good team. How good? I, I think they're good enough to beat Tennessee. I, I don't. I don't have any real doubt about that. But as I said, where is the offense? I am in the camp that thinks that this offense of Florida's might be a little bit better. Um, it, it, it certainly, hate what happened uh, to Felipe Franks, and, and Felipe could really make a lot of big plays. But I thought the negative plays. You know, they always hurt. And I thought they were a significant factor uh, to the detriment. Where's How is Kyle Trask going to handle this offense? What package is going to be for Emory Jones, if at all? Uh, I, I think this is um, going to be interesting. Uh, this defensive Florida is good. Um, it's not great. Uh, they came up with only one sack last week. They dominated Miami. So, you know, it's going to be real interesting. I think the ball has to come out quick for Garantano. I think they got to create a little bit of rhythm. Tennessee, for all the negativity, has done a pretty good job staying on the field when they need to. They've just not been as effective in the early part of the season, as we know, of getting in the red zone. Look, I'm not going to sell this as uh, Tennessee's got a great chance. I really don't think that. But I think this game <clears throat> could be one for Tennessee. And there are no moral victories. But I think it's one in which if they play well, they can get some confidence in it um, and maybe keep it a game into the second half. But I just think there's a distinct difference, even though there's a gap, in my view, between Florida and Georgia. I, you know, Florida fans don't want to really hear this, but I think there's a gap between Florida. I'm, I'm, we stay in the East, but just comparing to overall, I, I don't think Florida is as good as you know, even that close yet to, to LSU. We'll find that out in a couple of weeks. And, and yet, I don't think Tennessee's close to Florida. So it gives you an idea of tiers of kind of where we are. I, I think Florida moves on. They move on to 4-0. Um, well, that's a fan base now, and, and we love love the Gators. But they, they have this belief now just that they're always – maybe this, Dave, you, you, you deal with fans on a regular basis. Maybe a lot of fans think they're better than they are, but – I don't know that any, I would say, you know, considers themselves. I mean, Florida, I mean, you talk to some Florida fans, they think they're, hey, we're, we're, we're going to the national champion. <laughs> they, they're kind of in a complete different realm of where their team is and where they, where they truly are at this point. I, I just think they're that much better than Tennessee. And, you know, one quick note, I was thinking about this. You're talking about the TV trucks going in. Remember all the night games that we, we've had, and I think most people think it was the LSU, Alabama, um, CBS has had the package for a long time. And, and they've always had the 330, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central in my central time zone. That was the big thing. But then they, they always had, you know, they sprinkled in the night games. And we know that it flipped with the LSU-Alabama game when that was one versus two in Tuscaloosa. And LSU said, well, you need to come back to Baton Rouge the next year. And it's been night game most of the time. It's not going to be. Uh, the night game, as we know, that Notre Dame in, uh, in in Georgia or the CBS night game, the one night game. But the first one in modern history was this one. Remember, they had a, they had one, I remember for sure, and I think a couple of Tennessee-Florida night games 
in prime time. That's how big this game was at one point. It was the Alabama LSU of today or of, let's say, several years ago, Alabama's dominated LSU. Uh, but, you know, just kind of tells you how quickly times have changed. And I know Tennessee fans would like to get back to where that game is more challenging. I think 13 or 14. Am I right? I think 13 or 14. Thir- it's either 13 or 14 or 12 or 13. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're uh, title on you. 2003. Yeah. So it um, it's going to be a challenge for the Vols. And um, I, I think to some extent the uncertainty of what Florida may do at quarterback, because Dan Mullen has said he, he wants to play too uh, moving forward, makes it more challenging for Tennessee to prepare because you don't have as much tape on Franks. But maybe it's actually an upgrade. No disrespect to Franks. But uh, other SEC games across the slate, uh, South Carolina at Missouri. You and I talked about it before the season. And you host Alabama. Yay, you're at home. But you then have to go to Missouri. It's a pretty good football team. About a 10-point favorite in this game. And, gosh, the, the schedule just keeps getting more and more and more difficult. And that's why you look back to that North Carolina game and say, ugh, that could be mm. one that ends up hurting you in in late November when you're trying to get bowl eligible. Yeah, and I'm going to go a little big picture here. Um, got a call this week from <clears throat> somebody that's that's you know pretty big in the South Carolina administration that said that this is a just telling you this is a big game for Will Muschamp. What do you mean by that? I'm just telling you, it's really really. I think you just hit it. Um, you know, it's it's. I don't think Will is in real danger of losing his job this year, um, personally because of the money they have to pay him. But I, there is a lot of unrest there, uh, and we'll get to another place where there's some rest a little, unrest a little bit later. Um, but it's funny how the season progresses. The loss to North Carolina is big. I actually think there's some positives on tape that I'm particularly with uh, Ryan Helinski and the offense moving in the right direction. So I think there's some positives. And you just, you know, you alluded to the schedule difficulty of South Carolina. Uh, And I don't know that going on the road and beating Missouri in their Columbia. I mean, Missouri's like a nine-point favorite. To expect South Carolina to win is a little bit, you know, presumptuous. (laughs) But I think they're capable of doing it. But I understand, and I would say this, this week and next week are big games for Will and how the team plays. And so, I mean, I think it's important that they play well, that there's not a lot of mental errors, because I think there's a belief now, if you look at where Kentucky is, because that's who South Carolina has next week or next up. If you don't play well, and I thought about it after getting off that conversation, Dave, and I realize it's at Missouri and it got Kentucky at home. Let's say you lose those games that don't play well. What does it say about where you are as a program? Will's been there long enough now to where South Carolina, I mean, um, Kentucky and Missouri's programs have now maybe in the eyes of the people that support South Carolina is to look below those two programs. That would be, that would be a tough stretch. There is no expectation or should not be that they lose, that they beat Florida or beat Georgia or, you know, beat Alabama, not none, you know, now there's still a potential there to upset, you know, uh, say a Florida, but 
I just don't. I, I think these are really tough games, competitive games, but I think they're really important for Will that this team plays well and shows signs that we're getting better, we're figuring some things out. South Carolina has really good athletes on defense, and I think that can challenge Kelly Bryant a little bit. I think this is a close one. I think South Carolina's got a good shot. I think Missouri's got a better shot at home, but Missouri themselves have been really inconsistent. The secondary's been really good, uh, but they haven't really played an offense that can throw it. Can Helinski have a good game? That's going to be key, I think, in this game. It should be, I think, a in terms of a, a good game, an important game, maybe not on the radar of the couple of ones we talked about, but I think a really big one. Another awesome SEC matchup right after this. You're locked on SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked on SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. You're insane if you don't check out that website and you like football. I just don't know what to tell you. And you need to subscribe because you'll learn more about the NFL, college, uh, everything you can imagine when it comes to football. I'm excited about the Kentucky-Mississippi State game. It's not the headliner game, but after the way Kentucky lost that Florida game, I want to see how they bounce back. I think this is somewhat of a moxie check. And I've also been very impressed with the way Kentucky's played, even in a loss to some extent to Florida, because this Kentucky team lost seven starters on each side of the ball. Uh, Josh Allen and Benny Snell, we've talked about all that, but they seem to be a program that's uh, built on more than just a, a one-year run. And and I, I'll be honest, Chris, you know, I'm in the media at SEC Media Day, so I'm supposed to be terrible at picking. I picked them towards the bottom of the East, but I, I, I see some moxie there, and I hope we see it in Starkville on Saturday. Well, I got to tell you, um, you know, I don't know that it's it's going to be the special year that Kentucky had last year where obviously they beat Florida and it's still a ways to go. But I think you're right about what you're seeing out of this Mark Stoops team. He's de- developed probably the premier developmental program in this league. I mean, if you think about it, some of the others have been a little yeah. bit more up and down. But consistency in terms of playing to their strength, they do it. The offensive line is outstanding. If I were to tell you that Kentucky's offensive line plays about as well, grades out as well as anybody in the SEC, it would probably shock you. Yep. South Carolina's, uh, um, Georgia's offensive line is more talented, and it is better. Kentucky's offensive line has played as well as any offensive line in the league. Grading out, not, you know, what people focus on, pancake block, just working together in unison, playing with leverage, just grading out extremely well. They do a great job. They've got good receivers. Um, Sawyer Smith is not the answer and it's going to be a problem because they're not going to be able to finish and make enough plays, but they can run the football well, and they play good team defense. Um, so I, I am all in with you on them uh, in terms of what they can do. I just don't think they're obviously going to win as many games as they did last year. 
That's that's a, that's going to be a rarity. But you know, I think the loss of Terry hurts him a lot. I want to flip it just briefly to the other side. We just talked about important games. Now, this to me, I don't think South Carolina's game is a must win. I think it's important. Again, I was told it's a must win for Will, but I, I'm just I just think that. That's I think this is a must win for Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead. And what I mean by must win, I'm not saying they're running them out of town. Okay, I'm just telling you that it's getting difficult, and he's having to answer some really tough questions there. Uh, last week's sloppy performance against Kansas State was ugly and an ugly loss at home. If you come back at home again and you lose to a Better coach Kentucky team that's kind of – now, listen, I, I don't know exactly how effective Stevens is going to be, even if he's going to play, play a lot. I, they got injuries at quarterback too, and I they can hang their hat on that, not as an excuse but as a reason. But, man, it's how they looked last week, the mistakes, the missed opportunities, the turnovers, not, not the only thing there. I, I just think that State needs – and Joe Moorhead needs a clean game because – the whole issue of man, we're not as well coached. Stuck with him last year, and he hung on the eight and four record, and now it's just not off to a good start. And if you look, speaking of schedules, you start looking at that Mississippi State schedules. They're getting ready to get to the point where they're not going to be able to go into Auburn. Got LSU, got A and M, got Alabama. I mean, they're 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 three four losses guaranteed after this week. Um, you know. They they really need, I think, a good performance, and I think they need a win, or their season is going to be really bad, and it's going to put a lot of pressure going into momentum at the end of the year, next year being a lot of question marks. I think there's already some of that. I think it's just going to be heightened up. But I, I think Mississippi State is not getting it done on offense. We know the injuries at quarterbacks are a part of it. Um, but I think that they should have enough of a running game, a cleaner game, and I think really the, the health of the quarterback position is going to factor into this game both ways. But I'm I'm looking at Mississippi State maybe winning a close one here. But, boy, this is, uh, this is something he needs big. LSU at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt announces three significant injuries. Ugh. Um, you know, there was a time where we used to say Vanderbilt can't overcome such injuries. There was a time because of depth. And – there was a time you'd say, well, you want to play Vanderbilt late in the season because of depth, they get worn down. Is Vanderbilt still that type of program, or can they overcome injuries and and still be a middle-of-the-pack program type of – I know they're not going to win a championship, but they also don't want to drop to 2-10 and 10 like they used to be. Yeah, I think they're closer to the bottom than the middle-of-the-pack, quite frankly. Um you look at them right now, I think offensively, they've got some ability to make some plays. Now, I, I thought Riley Neal played pretty well against Purdue, and we know they've got three re- great tight end, great receiver, great running back, and I, I don't I don't say that lightly, but they've not been able to maximize it enough. The defense has been a disappointment. Uh, I'm curious to see if they can get anything done offensively against LSU because the defense is not going to be able to slow down LSU. LSU, interesting note uh, in the film notes, they have been in shotgun like over 95% of the time. 
So I'm curious to see if LSU works a little bit more in the run game, maybe goes under, you know, I, I listen, I think they're going to go shotgun and get an early lead, but I'm curious to see how they work the run game. But I just don't see Vanderbilt's ability to keep this close, quite frankly. I, I think LSU's defense, a lot of people are questioning it, but I'm questioning more on the fact that their defense is on the field a little bit too much. Um, you know, my theory on that, and that, that goes, you know, at, at, at all different level of programs. So I'm curious to see how LSU plays it, but either way, I think LSU wins and wins going away. Southern Miss at Alabama, you've had Nick Saban talking about they haven't, or Alabama hasn't been able to run the football as 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 effectively as they would like to. I got a weird feeling, Chris, this isn't going to work in Southern Miss's favor. I think it's a work on the run type of game, and that could be uh, bad news for for Southern Miss this weekend. Yeah, I, although I will say this, and I don't I don't say as it reflects into the outcome of the game, but it'll be a little interesting challenge for the defense, Alabama's defense. Uh, for folks that are going to watch this game, um, you may not have might may not know and you may not watch another southern miss game uh look out for the young receiver quez watkins he's one of the best receivers that you've probably never heard of and he's one of the best in the country uh the offense can move it through the air they're really good on third downs uh they're not going to be able to run the football in alabama so they're going to really probably work some tempo in the game they're going to try to get the young Alabama defense kind of out of position. And don't be surprised if they make some plays against this defense. So I think that's going to be the challenge to kind of see how Alabama can adjust it in a game in which they're going to be able to dominate Southern Miss's defense. And it's not going to cause Alabama any threat to lose it. I do think there's going to be some internal challenges that they're going to have. So, look, uh, we'll see. Um uh, you know, it, I didn't think Southern Miss played all that poorly against Mississippi State by comparison. Um, you know, so we'll see how it uh, it plays out. But, yeah, I think it's a decisive win for Alabama in the end. But I'm curious to see how those young, uh, young uh, defensive front adjust to the quick snaps in the quick pass game uh, and how they're able to cover. They'll cover Watkins. I'd be interested to see how they cover him because they will they work and motion him to try to get him the ball as much as possible. He's special. Enjoy watching him, or let's see if Alabama can shut him down. That That's an interesting storyline in the game. Last game, San Jose State-Arkansas, a chance for Arkansas to get three wins. That's one better than last year, and uh, they should be the prohibitive favorite, I would think, here. Uh, yeah, no question. Got to play. Uh, uh, you know, they didn't <clears throat> really um, – do a good job of finishing well actually they finished well I shouldn't say middle of that game they had a little bit of a lull against Colorado State but they finished very very well in that game obviously this San Jose State team is not as good as um as Colorado State so they should be able to win going away and one quick note too don't want to leave out I think one of the more intriguing games Cal going to Oxford to play Ole Miss. This is a very good Cal secondary. And, you know, they. I, I don't know that Ole Miss is going to throw it uh, a, a whole lot. I'm curious to see uh, they get their running game going, how effective they're going to be against a very good Cal defense. I think this is a tough game for Ole Miss. It doesn't, I, you know, Cal's going to be playing at 9 a.m. body clock time for them. So it's going to be a challenge. But this Cal team, I don't know that people are aware of it, but, this, this is a well-coached team. 
Justin Wilcox, Vols, Vols, Tennessee Vols fans will remember the name. This guy is a really good defensive coach. His team is really good. They've been able to run the football well. This is a tough game for the Rebs. I, uh, I know that uh, I think Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I, don't, I don't give advice on stuff like that, and I think it's tough for them to go on the road. But I actually think Cal's a little bit better than Ole Miss. Uh, we'll see how this plays out. So it could be a real, in my opinion, a really big win for Ole Miss that probably won't be thought of that way. And certainly if they lose it, it will be frowned upon. But this is this is a very good Cal team that thus far has been, I think, the biggest surprise positive-wise in the north of the Pac-12. Yeah, I almost left them off. That's my bad. I, I, I've been to Cal. I've been to Ole Miss. I have no idea what those two fan bases will talk about. Uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They'll be the the you, you will not have probably uh, the uh, friends and family. You know, a dozen to fifteen Cal fans that will make the trip. I don't think they'll know it. Uh, um, there's there's not going to be much there. You know, they're they kind of go into Strawberry Canyon. They're a little bit better fan support than Stanford, but. They're not. They're they're a different group. There's no question about it. And I laugh because when people say that, uh, it, when when the Pac-12 expanded and they said, uh, "Well, I don't understand why they just didn't, you know, have bring BYU in," and I said, "Are you kidding me? Can you imagine the president of BYU and the president of Cal sitting together at a <laughs> conference? Are you kidding me? Uh, you talk about uh, complete opposites. But no, it's uh, it." For those that do make the trip, there won't be many. They'll enjoy the Grove, and who knows? Maybe Justin Wilcox will uh, will will surprise the, the the few and far between with a win. Maybe a discussion over uh, the difference between the legalization of marijuana and moonshine. Maybe that's what they could get hey, maybe, into. Maybe <laughs> though, you just hit on it. Maybe there's a topic there. Uh, <laughs> that's your locked on. SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the games, everyone.